Hi, and welcome to the Mountain Collective Podcast. All right, Stefan, thank you uh, for joining uh, me in uh, in this episode. No, thank you. I'm happy to, happy to be here and I uh, hope I can be of some value. And Yeah, so we, um, we kind of connected um, via the internet uh, where I checked on um, uh, your company Viking and, uh, and I found it like super interesting what it's doing for two parts uh the first one is the application but the second one is the um, the fact that it gives you also um a uh, a sort of you know place where a playground where you can play and um and manipulate your own um applications that you want to do so mm-hmm. can you take us a little bit back in the journey how how you actually where did you start and uh, and how did you end up uh, uh, co-founding this uh, company viken uh, sure, I can give you a bit of background. So I studied engineering at university and I specialized in machine learning and um, AI and I specialized even further into computer vision. And after university, I then did a course in Berlin and deep learning and um, AI. And then after that, I uh, worked as a data scientist in, in a gaming company and then I started my own company with uh, with my brother and a friend of mine, of ours, and um, we wanted to do something around computer vision. And we first started in face tracking. So we made a system similar to what you see on Snapchat, um, but the uh, the bunny ears or the wearing glasses and augmented reality. And uh, we developed a face tracking system and. Um, we developed the system and it, it was during a time where the, where the face tracking space is a very competitive space and um, we couldn't really scale the company. So we we came up with a new idea that hadn't been done before, completely novel. And we, and my co-founder, Thibaut, he, he worked at Zalando and he saw that there was an opportunity to create a augmented reality system around footwear where you can point your smartphone camera at your feet and the shoes will appear virtually on your feet and we have spent we came up with a concept video two years ago we released this concept video onto instagram and this is when all the big brands got in touch with us and after that we thought okay this is really wanted and um, we then decided to build the technology so we built like a data set and we built the computer vision uh, algorithms to work around it and we built this very basic virtual try-on solution for footwear. And our main primary focus was to target uh, all the big manufacturers where they sell um, footwear on their on their on their app properties, and they and we would essentially provide them the technology to provide their users a system to try before they buy. Um, so a virtual try-on system before they purchase a product so and up until then this is this is where we are right now and um, we have some uh, big contracts uh, we've got one in China with a like a, this I think this is China's biggest secondary sneaker marketplace 
and we also have a big contract coming up with one of the big um, sneaker brands, one of the very big sneaker brands, and uh, we're actually going live with them next week. So that should be really interesting to see. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Cause okay, so I have here a few few things written down. Uh, so you said uh, machine learning and AI. Can you explain to I mean, I'm I'm not so familiar with these terms. Um, can you explain to us where what um, what what is the difference actually between machine learning and deep learning? Um, so machine learning is the so you can think of uh, deep learning as a type of machine learning. So deep learning in my view is that deep learning involves uh, these very big deep convolutional neural networks where you have the feature extraction and the uh, uh, estimation all, all comprised into one uh, machine learning model um, and machine learning is just the it's just like deep learning is just a subset of machine learning um, but deep learning you can do a lot of stuff with it and you so deep learning has enabled like a, a new frontier of uh, of technology so deep learning is used a lot in uh, so if we go back uh, five years um deep learning is still quite a niche if you go back about five to seven years and it was only about eight usable to be run on like a very specific hardware so you need to have like a run up the gpu and um if you want to use it in everyday cases like on a mobile phone it, it wasn't possible back then but now with a mobile phone you have like very complex gpu chips on it and now they're capable of running uh, these deep convolutional neural networks so it really has opened the floodgates in terms of what you can do on a, on a mobile device and and that's why it became possible then to to then uh, allow us to to make foot tracking. So deep learning, another subset of deep learning is uh, is computer vision and like using um, running images through these convolutional neural networks. And um, this is the backbone of our technology. So we have a, a convolutional neural network, which is a deep learning model. Um, that runs every frame in the in the phone, and we're able to process an image and infer meaning out of that image. So we're able to locate where the feet are in 3D space. Um, but in terms of like the original question, the difference between machine learning and deep learning is that they're, they're very similar, um, more or less the same thing. Is that deep learning encompasses the feature extraction of the of the data, also with the uh, with the estimation part as well. Okay, so if I understand it correctly, let's say from a human perspective, machine learning would be the brains and deep learning would be the eyes that can see. Um, yeah, you can think of it like like that. Um, machine learning is just the uh, so a lot of there are a lot of names for like AI and uh, and machine learning. You have deep learning as well, and you also have like so you can think of machine learning as like you have lots of different machine learning models you have uh your networks you have support vector machines you have simple logistic regression and these are all machine learning models and a uh, another 
layer on top of that is a uh, convolutional neural networks, and um, you can have these very large convolutional neural networks. And uh, I would categorize this as deep learning um, because it's just a, I, would, I would say deep learning is just a subset of machine learning. It's, it's more or less the same thing. Okay, so all right. I mean, that's um, that's super, super interesting to to get to know a little bit from the from the backside of, of things. And uh, so you've done face tracking first, and then um, after that, you decided to go with um, with fashion because it has uh, this solution to try before you buy, and that probably will minimize um, some um, some transportation, and uh, the benefits are that. You get uh, you get what you want in a bit more in accuracy. Um, so what, what we wanted to offer with the with the, to the users with the virtual foot trial is that we want to we wanted to give them a way to visualize the product um, without just normal videos and and uh, and pictures. So. You'd be able to see what it looks like on you and what it looks like on you when you're wearing your outfit and and also one of the problems we wanted to tackle as well was to reduce return rates which in itself is like a it causes a lot of uh returns are a bit big uh, prof profitability problem for these big companies and also it's quite annoying for the user if they if they have to return the item if, and if they feel the item doesn't suit them visually and also, it, uh, it, it affects, the, affects, affects the environment as well because uh, you're having to deliver an item and then send it back to the to the to the seller. Um, so this is something we wanted want to tackle with our solution. Yeah, that's um, that's super. Yeah, that's super interesting. So now we're talking about um, the app itself, uh, Viking. Uh, but now you have also. Uh, studio and that's why I approached you because I found a, um, I found an interesting step to take instead of having only um, an application for customers but also for brands to um, to get their hands inside of, uh, of the studio um, can you tell us a little bit um, the reason why you started um, <clears throat> the studio excuse me and uh, and also what are the benefits of uh, having because I'm myself very interested in um, those kind of things. I like to play around with uh, with new, um, exciting nuances. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole idea around the studio is that you can think of like if you're familiar with um, a Facebook Spark AR or a Snapchat's Lens Studio, um, it's a platform or an editor where you can import your assets and position them onto the onto like the like a reference and then you can export once you've positioned all your assets in a particular way you can export it which is which will then be used in the in the app environment and, um we wanted to do the same thing for footwear and the reason the first initial reason why we wanted to do this is because before if we wanted to do take some 3d assets of shoes and uh, and then use them in with our in conjunction with our foot tracking we had to position them onto a re reference foot and uh, before it was a very manual process and we had to do it in-house and uh, clients of ours had to send us 
shoes and then we had to position it manually. Um, we're a technology company, so we didn't want to do that all the time. So we, we built this tool so so the brands or the uh, retailers can actually do that themselves. Um, so they would have a batch of like maybe a thousand shoes and they'd pass it through this, uh, this tool that we have called Sneaker Studio. And then they position it and export it for iOS and Android and that position asset will then be used uh, in the app. And also with inside the Sneaker Studio, we have like a preview plane um, where you can see what the assets look like rendered on the feet um, before you export it. So it makes it a lot easier to export the assets uh, for for use with our AR try-on system. And but after we did this, it was very useful. But after we did this, we saw there was a potential for this tool to be used um, in the virtual fashion space. Um, so we have an app, a demo demonstration app where you where you can uh, try on these rare sneakers uh, and you can take a video of it and you can send it to your friends. And uh, we're in the process of making that app more sophisticated where you can uh, import pictures and overlay the uh, import pictures yourself and uh, the our computer vision technology will find where the feet are and overlay the uh, on the shoes on top. And we thought, there's a whole new opportunity where we can not only assist companies to sell physical items, but we can also explore new opportunities where we are uh, displaying virtual only uh, assets to people. Um, and in the virtual world, you're not constrained by the physical uh, constraints of uh, everyday physics is that you can have these crazy animations go around the feet and you can have you, you can have like these uh crazy shoes on your feet that uh that would any normal sense wouldn't be practical uh but uh in the virtual space you you're no longer confined by the physical constraints of the real world so that's also something we find really interesting and we're we're kitting out sneaker studio more to uh to add animations and to, to do more wacky stuff with it yeah that's um uh, the experimentation part of things is also one of my favorite uh, places to be at uh, since you can in 3d you can basically do um the opposite of what you can do in, uh, in reality one uh, one thing that i noticed on um on this um, studio sneaker is that it's a web application in uh, yes. in comparison to let's say um, other applications like snapchat um, what is it called uh, spark spark ar or uh, yeah or uh, the other one um, i can't come up with the name but it's um yours is is totally different I mean, it's 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 the same in terms of uh, what it does, but it's different in in its uh, form, and it's a web application, which is which is mind blowing for my uh, for my um, uh, for my side because it makes you it really gives you this uh, ability to work without um, with as as if you are going into a website. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit back the, the reason why you actually you actually chose for this um, for this uh, road to take? 
Um, so we we chose web because we obviously we've played around with Spark AR, Lens Studio, which are both um, uh, desktop applications. Um, but we also saw, are you familiar with Amazon Sumerian? So Amazon Sumerian is a, um, it's it's a editor, 3D editor, but it's also web-based and we saw um, we saw the capabilities of what you could do with a, with a web-based web editor. And um, for us, a web-based editor was um, obviously a, a lot better because it, it works cross-platform and um, it's easier, easily more, it's more accessible to people. So you can work on it from any computer. You don't need like, a specific type of hardware to use it. And um, yeah, it's just the fact it was more, it was more accessible and it was probably easy to develop instead of making, and we didn't really want to build a desktop application which, which um, would work on Mac OS initially and then would work on uh, on Windows because I think um, Spark AI, I don't know if it's on Windows now, but at the start it, it was only on on, uh, on Mac. Um, so, so that way you kind of you know solve that um, solve that uh, issue of not even having to install anything, but also having a sort of you know community behind the the web application because you can probably log in and uh, and have your own files. Um, yes. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, at the moment the sneaker studio is very it's quite basic. Um but we are extending out the functionality and um uh, eventually we'll have like a a a self-serve tool where you'll be able to store your assets on there as well and uh deploy your assets from it. Um but right now it's it's still in like it's still in beta and it is being used by uh but the clients are working with and they're really happy with it and they've they've actually found that their their throughput of the uh, 3d models has increased by a factor of five um so we're really happy with that um yeah that's that's super cool how um what kind of challenges did you how long did it actually first of all how long did it take you to to build um this um whole web application but also what are the big challenges that you've uh, that you had uh, along the way um so to build the the sneaker studio it took about uh um i would say about six months um to develop and uh yeah uh six months and we, it took a while to uh to make it compatible with our system um, um and but once we got that sorted it was, it was fairly straightforward in terms of the technology uh, the AR try-on solution that we have is uh, the most difficult part of it was the uh, building the computer vision um, system. So where it accepts images and a video stream and it's able to determine whether whether feet are in 3D space. Um, that in itself was the most difficult part um, because with the face tracking there, it was a lot easier because there's a lot of research in face tracking already and you already have publicly available data sets of, uh, of, of uh, faces and the corresponding labels used to train your algorithms. But with the foot tracking, there was no research and there are no data sets. So we had to build out our, our own data set for that. And we employed various methods to do that. And right now we, we have a very comprehensive data set, which we use to 
train our uh, machine learning, deep learning models. And um, yeah, that, that was uh, that was the most tough, that was the toughest part of, uh, of our journey at Viking. Um, it was made easier because we had a lot of experience in the face tracking. Um, but yeah, that was, that was very difficult. So to be the first is always, um, it always makes it a little bit more hard because you don't have any, um, yeah, base to base on. So you have mm-hmm. to basically research everything yourself. Um, do you see, um, do you see any connection from, from shoes? Cause I'm assuming that you've tried, um, many other ways of doing things. So you started with the face tracking and now you're ending up, um, with the feet. Do you see that you can maybe at some point, um, try other other human body uh, parts like um, let's say uh, putting on a t-shirt or or um, or um, like a hat which is um, I think Gucci has this application which is like, super mm-hmm. incredible um, uh, do you see that you can yeah you can go a little bit to, to that you know t-shirt part because I think I have a feeling that it's it has a little bit more challenges than than just um, you know uh, the face or one feet because then you are um, yeah you are um, being um, with like a full body tracking yeah um, I think the like t-shirts or trousers is the uh, it's the holy grail but as you said it's it's a it's a lot more complex I mean um, with face tracking for for hats or eyewear and also with foot tracking um, we're lucky in the way that uh, glasses and hats and uh, shoes are more or less non-deformable so they're a rigid objects so we only have to worry about one pose matrix for each foot and uh, one 3D model that is a, a rigid a rigid 3D model doesn't have any um, any uh, bones or articulation in it, um, so that makes it a lot easier. Um, but in terms of uh, the uh, for t-shirts and trousers, it's it's a lot more complex because not only does the uh, the t-shirt deform and it's a fabric, so it uh, you have to build a 3D model that is able to deform when your body deforms. So there, there are two complexities. There's one on the, on the computer vision side, it's very, it's quite difficult to track the human body um, perfectly because you have like such dexterity in the in the limbs and the and how you move your you move your body. Um, but we are getting there on, on the computer vision side. So our, uh, algorithms are getting better and better and the what you able to, what you're able to run in the phone is getting better and better so i have no doubt that in a few years we'll be able to track the human body with a high precision um, and on the other side you have the uh, the graphics so the 3d models and these 3d models you can you can design them in the tools like clothe 3d and then you can you can export it to, but for it to able to run real time in a phone it's uh it's it can be quite challenging so it's yeah it's it's another layer of complexity and uh, it's a it's a huge jump from uh so face tracking there was um it's been it's been around for 10 years and to make the jump from face tracking to foot tracking was uh was quite significant but i think the jump from foot tracking to full body tracking is is uh is 
another step ahead in complexity, which is, but we're, we're sure we can do it and we're already working on, on stuff to do it. It's just the, um, the trouble is the scalability of it. So to produce 3D assets at scale is, uh, is another concern of mine. So this is where I had other ideas of how you can, how you can, um, provide the solution and, um, and another um, idea of mine was uh, using are you familiar with uh, generative adversarial networks uh, not yet <laughs> so generative adversarial networks are it's a it's an, again a, a, a neural network which is able to um, generate images so you, you give it a, a latent variable and from this latent variable it passes through the neural network and it's able to uh, generate an image and um, these have been used for um, if you see if you see the deep fake uh, images uh, it's for like it generates like fake faces um, so it's used a lot in the, in the face tracking and um, and NVIDIA is actually doing a lot of research in it and if you pass it if you pass in a uh, a variable is able to generate an image and um, one thing that NVIDIA did a couple years ago is that you they, they had like a, an image to image generative adversarial network where you pass in a an image a very basic image where you say this part of the image is uh, so it's just so the, the, the purpose of this neural network was trying to generate a image of a landscape um be it a beach or a mountain or a building and um what gets passed into the neural network is a, uh, a segmentation map so that says okay this part of the image is is building this part of the image is uh, sky this part of the image is uh, is a tree and if you send in this like very basic segmentation map it's the neural network is able to hallucinate what it thinks the image should look like and if you look at the results it's pretty powerful and nvidia is making it uh, more and more sophisticated and they've actually got it working with videos so and um i think this is going to replace the traditional graphics engine where you have a 3d model and you render that 3D model onto well, it's just like a 3D to 2D whereas with this uh, generative adversarial network I think it's in the future it's going to replace these traditional uh, graphics rendering engines and instead of having a 3D model to a rendered image you'll have like a a uh, a a very basic 2D input and it will create a rendered output. And this is something we're exploring at the moment um, with uh, with the uh, virtual triumph piece for, for the rest of the body. And I I, I think it's uh, it's gonna be pretty powerful. I mean, I, I even today um, NVIDIA released a, uh, one of the uh, generative adversarial networks for um, they, they call it a face vid to vid um so you, you can generate uh, uh videos of people's faces from a very simple input and um 
I, 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 sorry if I'm if I'm baffling a bit, but I, I think this is going to be this is I think this is going to be the future of like how rendering rendering works in the future because it's I think it'll be a lot more versatile. But it solves this scalability issue as well with uh, um, producing these uh, AR content at, at scale. So um, so let's uh, let me start from the beginning. So um, the traditional way is using Clow. I've I've um, I've been um, Exp- I have some experience with that. It's, it's really interesting. The only, um, the only um, bad side about it is that it's uh, it takes a little bit some time to simulate, and mm-hmm. I, and it was it was on a good computer, and I'm thinking um, if you're gonna use a web application, like how does that uh, how does that even work? Because you gotta you know it's the simulation doesn't work on on. Um, on a on a proper computer, it's that stands for for a web application. So now you you're saying that it's um, that it could be you know generated by understanding how how the um, how the 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 piece actually looks like from every side, and then from there um, get it in shape of a, of a certain body and um, predicting basically how where it's it could be. Yeah. So. Um, uh, the, the problem with traditional uh, graphics engines or uh, assets you produce from Clo3 D is that um, it's uh, it's very hard to work in a mobile device or even a web device. It's uh, it's more or less impossible because you need like very specific hardware to uh, to render these 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 products um, and. The tr- traditional form of graphics, you, you have a 3D model, you set up the parameters and then you, you, you kick off the render. Um, whereas with this new idea that I'm thinking about is that uh, you have this, you, you encode this, uh, this render inside a neural network. So you, you give it a, a very simple input and it, and it results in a, in a render that can be potentially be run on the phone in a few years time um, um, also another aspect of uh, of um, AR try on pieces that you have to deliver uh, the 3d assets because with our AR try on for footwear it runs real time on a mobile device so we have uh, the computer vision that runs it tracks every frame of the image and it finds where the feet are in 3D space. And on top of that, we have a the graphics engine. So on iOS, we use SceneKit, and um, we have the USDZ model, which uh, which can is between five and ten megabytes. And this is, and I think for feet, that's okay. Um, but when you when you're talking about uh, more complex items like uh, t-shirts and trousers that's going to go up significantly and and also it may the, be quite difficult tex- the texture side of things as well because like, textures could be also quite um quite uh, size consuming yes yes and if we're able to replace that uh, 3d model with just a, uh, a a neural network um then that could be a lot more efficient so i i don't know it's it's still up in the air whether the, the this Generative adversarial network rendering will will work because there, there are still a lot of like uh, complications with it, but uh, it's definitely something we're exploring.
super interesting man like i'm uh, i'm so glad <laughs> that i'm talking to you because um i had no idea of um of the possibilities of um because once you are you probably know can also can relate to this as well if you have like uh the shoes that you really like like um, you know physical shoes and um and you you don't want to you know throw them away because because uh, they are you've been with them like for so, such a long time but then you see new ones and uh, and you get more excited about the new ones and you kind of forget about the old ones um like for me it's i'm having similar you know experience here because of um you know the traditional way of doing things in 3d it's um it's so you can just you know just throw that away and um start with a new one without um without leave it but i'm very uh, happy that i'm uh, that i talked to you about this um thank you so much for that i will um we are we are getting to the end of um uh, this episode i'll ask you like, a few questions that are a little bit silly <laughs> if you can sure, answer yeah. uh, to the best of your ability sure uh what is the first thing you do when you wake up uh yeah i'm, uh, I'm not pretty proud of this but i check my phone <laughs> the <laughs> notifications because we work with a, a couple companies in china and uh I'm always sure because they're a few hours, well, many hours ahead of us. I always check it before, but as soon as I wake up, and there's always a, there tends to be a few notifications from from over in China. Okay, uh, hot or cold? Uh, hot. Nice. Salad or burger? Burger. <laughs> <laughs> what is the fir- the worst job you've ever had? Uh, data labeling. Wow. Um, yeah, so data labor was is part of my job currently. <laughs> um, but there are great parts of my job, but also really bad parts of the job is uh, we have to. Um, so our our computer vision models are trained on like a large data sets, and to have uh, also with the data sets, you need the corresponding labels for the data. So you have an image, and you have to say, oh, this is whether this is where the big toe is on the left foot. This is whether the heels on the right foot and you have to manually check it and it's 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 uh it's a tough job but uh it's a necessary job but yeah it can be very uh very very boring <laughs> is there like any um this is you know i'm getting a little bit back to the normal question like is like the deep learning would that wouldn't that be you know helping in this case um so, yeah um so there, there with deep learning there are two different types you've got like a supervised machine learning and un, well, deep learning and machine learning are more or less the same thing. Um, but you have one thing called supervised machine learning and you have another thing called unsupervised machine learning. And you can think of unsupervised machine learning as being able to um, infer meaning out of data without any uh, corresponding labels. And you're able to um, I don't know how to explain it, uh, but it, with, with supervised machine learning, you have like an, let's say like you have a, it, let's say it's like you're, you're trying to teach a child between a, a cat and a dog. And you tell, you show the, the, the child like, a, this is the cat. And you show them a picture of a cat. And you say, oh, this is a dog. And you show them a picture of a dog. And you show them many pictures. And you, each time you tell them, this is a cat, this is a dog. And um, you, the fact you're telling them this is a cat that's you're supervising them when you're when you're teaching the neural network. So with deep learning, supervised deep learning, uh, with each image you have to tell 
the neural network. This is where the big toe is, this is where the heel is. And um, it's just a very manual process uh, to do that. But with unsupervised machine learning, we don't have the capability to, yet to provide a bunch of images without labels and and uh, for it to then determine whether feet are in 3D space, you have to provide labels with it. The same way if you give um, a child a bunch of uh, images of dogs and cats without giving any instruction, a human brain, brain is, is so complex, is able to discern the differences between the pictures of dog and cat. So you can think of the child as uh, like a, the brain is like a, a very good unsupervised um, machine learning uh, system where it's able to uh, discern the differences between a dog and cat without any supervision. And um, the, the, these, these parallels can, draw to, can be drawn to uh, modern day deep learning computer vision. And so, yeah, in our case, it's completely supervised. So we have a, uh, an image and we have to tell, we have to label that image with the corresponding labels um, in order to train these neural networks. Um, we haven't reached a stage where we can, where that can be done manually. And also that would be quite a, a uh, momentous occasion if you can, if, if, if that's able to happen. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Like super interesting. We can, um, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna go back to the, <laughs> to the questions. Um, favorite pair of shoes of all time? Uh, probably Adidas uh, Gazelle that I had, but uh, they're worn out now. But I need to get a new pair. <laughs> yeah, classic. If you could make or remake any movie and star in it, what would that be? Uh, I would probably say Gattaca. Okay. Yeah. If you could have a superpower, what would that be? Time travel. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the guests are um, are time traveling. Okay. Yeah. Everyone is uh, wants to fly or time travel. It's so interesting. Yeah, I would love to see what happens in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, Stefan, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. I will uh, talk to you soon. Okay, all right. Thanks, Marat. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care.